just with it today, just going to kind of hope. Uh, something about the some things about the village we probably don't know. You know, we we can't imagine what life is living up where they live would be like. So if you'll share a little of that with us, uh, we appreciate it. And then preach your word. It just tells what God's doing up there. Come ahead, Brother David. David Youngblood. Well, good evening. It's sure, sure good to be back at Fletcher First Baptist Church. We're just honored and privileged to be here. And, uh, and uh, what a blessing this church has been. And uh, even from, from the beginning of our call into the ministry and surrendering to preach and getting saved, and it uh, all kind of uh, started from here. Of course, it started, you know, I was raised in, you know, Good church and good family. My mom and dad's here. I praise God for my mom and dad. The godly heritage that we have here in this area, we don't take that for granted. Here with all these good churches around and preachers that preach the gospel. And, and it's still, it still works, amen? It still works. And, uh, but I appreciate the opportunity to be here. And you'll never know what this church means to us. You have, you have a part in the ministry in Kiana, Alaska. And uh, you have a vital part in that with your support, with prayers and and financially, and uh, it's because God using folks like you, churches like you, that, that we get to go and minister uh, to, uh, to the Eskimos in the Arctic. And uh, we are blessed and, and honored to get to do that on your behalf, even. Amen. And uh, I've got some uh, pictures. I don't know if, they, if they're going to work. We, we tried to put together a few. Micaiah did it. I'm going to blame it all on her. If it's good, if it's, good it's, it's her. If it's bad, it's me. How's that? <laughs> But Micaiah, she's good at putting pictures together. And uh, just to give you a little bit of history, probably uh, quickly, we can uh, go through these. Of course, that was the, uh, our family. And then <clears throat> these are pictures of right in front of the church there in Kiana. If you've never seen Kiana, Alaska, uh, it's a lot of snow in the wintertime. And I uh, have to blow it out of the way. And the, the church is right there beside the church. Uh, the, the house we live in is close by the church. And, uh, but there is a view from our front yard, and uh, we are tremendously blessed with uh, a view that's just, it never, it never gets old. Every time we go out there on the bluff, we call it the bluff and look at it, it's just amazing. And uh, we do get some winter uh, snow and drifts and, and uh, quite a bit of snow, but not as bad as on the, the coast, I guess you could say. We don't get a, a lot of wind, but sometimes we do, and it does drift along, and uh, sometimes it's hard to get through, but we'll... The snow machine there is what we use to get around in the wintertime in the sled. That's our, our church bus. <laughs> and uh, as we go to and fro and haul kids back and forth, and of course that's Tammy, the, the postmaster of Kiana, and uh, she works at the post office. And of course we all help her and work together. And, and, but it's been a great ministry in and of itself, just the doors God's opened using the post office and getting to meet the people because everybody comes to the post office in the village. And, and uh, this is, uh, I think it was... Uh, the Christmas party, or one of the Christmas parties, and Micaiah and some of her gang there in the village, and the young people, and the, we go to all the ball games in the gym, basketball's a big thing, help out with the cheerleaders, and just you know, get involved every, every, everywhere we can, and every chance we can, we try to get involved, we, a lot of the youth and the ministry, uh, this is the, the Christmas play we got to do at, a, at, a, at a, another church there in the village, it's a, it's a friend's Quaker-based church, 
and uh, they wanted us to help with the youth because they didn't, really wasn't working with the youth that much, but we got to work with them and put on a Christmas play, and, and uh, they had most of the village, probably two or 300 people in the church there as we presented the gospel through the Christmas story, and uh, what a great blessing that was this past year, and we got to do it the year before, too. This is our second year in Kiana, and uh, this is more of the Christmas celebration we had this year, or last year, I guess it is now, and and that's inside the church, the little church we have there. It's about, I guess, 30 or 25 by, by 40, maybe 50 foot long, I guess it is. I never have measured it. But, but we're blessed with nice, nice chairs and tables and uh, just a lot of uh, blessings that, you know, a lot of churches don't get to start with. But we were able to, to start with uh, all these uh, things that are, that are used every day and what a blessing it is to have those. And, of course, there's some more pictures of the snow and Sledding's a big part of the winter, and, and uh, having fun, and, and uh, that's just some more pictures of the young people there, and more of the Christmas play, and that's, of course, on the right there is the, the church, and uh, the pulpit we have there at Christmas time, and uh, this is a picture that uh, we're blessed, we'll see some pictures of her here in a minute, but we brought one of the, the young ladies with us out of Kiana, and this is her grandfather, some of her pictures, and he's a great photographer, and keep him in your prayers. And, but uh, these are some of his, his photography here as he took some pictures there in Kiana. And uh, this beautiful country we get to look at every day. And uh, some of the, the northern lights there, the auroras, get to see those pretty often in the, in the darkness. It's, and, uh, of course, the caribou are a big part of the village life. And Michael, I think he killed that a couple of years ago. Got us some meat in the freezer, and uh, but there's some fish drying, and uh, still a big, big part of a lot of the, the community getting the fish and drying it. And, uh, and there's another picture of the church right in front of the church itself, and and even Granny's been up there. So there's no excuse for nobody coming to see us. If Granny can get there, <laughs> anybody can come. Amen. <laughs> We were blessed to have, have Granny visit us and got some pictures with her up there and uh, just more action photos there at the, the Honda. That's what we use when it's, when it's uh, warm weather. We have a Honda that we can get around on and, and with. And this is one of the highlights of the ministry and uh, this is the young lady we brought with us, uh, Kaya Shirk, and uh, she's from the village of Kiana. And uh, she was saved this past year, just had her one-year anniversary, and we just praise God for the opportunity. And you have a part of that fruit of the ministry here, and uh, she's too bashful and shy to, to stand up, so we'll just show a picture of her. <laughs> so this is her with Micaiah cutting fish and things, and, and uh, she's uh, been a blessing to the ministry and, and a big help, and she's enjoying the lower 48 down here in this hot weather. We're about to die, this, this heat and humidity down here. But uh, you be sure and talk, shake her hand afterwards. And this is her Aunt Arlene that to baptize her there. And that's the Squirrel River right in front of the village there. And uh, we do go swimming in the Arctic rivers. Amen. It's not as cold as Davidson River, believe it or not. <laughs> you wouldn't think that. But I think Davidson River is colder than, than the squirrel. And, uh, but uh, this is the crowd we had gather at the baptizing. We baptized eight souls that day. And a lot of the village and families come down. And I got to share some gospel on the beach there. And uh, just a, a great opportunity. The Lord open, opens doors all the time. And so we just try to take advantage of it 
every chance we get and every opportunity. That's more of the, the church bus and wagon there in the summertime. And we're at some, some act, activities outside the church. <laughs> Get to go fishing and kayaking. and Just an amazing place to, to be and, and let alone to get to minister the gospel. We did start a summer feeding program last year. And it's kept us busy. They're, it's carrying on right now, the ones that are filling in for us. Uh, we feed, feed up to like f- over 40 kids sometimes a day. But it can be you know, anywhere from 10 to 40 kids. You never know who's going to show up. But it's from the food bank ministry there in Alaska. And they send us up the food, prepackaged food, kind of like, uh, like you get on an airplane, you know, a, a package deal. And uh, we feed that to them every day, once a day. And, uh, of course, take advantage of that, uh, getting the kids to, to know where the church is at and coming and back to Sunday school and back to church services. And just uh, been a blessing to, to do that. It keeps us busy, though. And... Uh, this was the first uh, uh, Resurrection Sunday. We were there this past Resurrection Sunday. We had a sunrise service, and that's sunrise on the bluff at Kiana there on Sunday morning for that sunrise service. We had, I think maybe, how many, how many did we have that morning? 20? Maybe we had maybe 20 souls show up pretty early in the morning. That was about, what, 7-something, the sunrise? And uh, so the sun's kind of normal that time of year up there. It comes up about 7 o'clock in the morning, and... Uh, Lord bless this year, I got to preach their baccalaureate service, and I had uh, seven seniors graduating, and uh, it was a blessing to get to share the gospel with them, and uh, right before they graduated, and one of our, our faithful church members there, Brianna, under the, between me and Tammy there, uh, she's been a blessing to the ministry, we've known her a lot of years, we've, we met her the first year we were in Alaska, in the village of Selowick, and uh, she actually moved back to Kiana, and got to know her and her, and her family, and uh, so it's been a blessing to get to know people through the years and uh, growing and get, getting to help them to grow in the Lord. And uh, I think this is on the way out of the village. There is the, that's in Kotzebue. And we take a bush plane out of the village for about 90 miles, air miles, 90 air miles over to Kotzebue, and then you can get the jet there. And uh, they take the jet to Anchorage, and then you can go anywhere, of course. And, uh, so it's not that difficult to get in and out of the village and of course this is the granddaughter amen <laughs> and she's here tonight and uh never never thought i'd be standing up here saying that amen <laughs> but she's truly a miracle and uh, we thank god for giving us a precious grandbaby and, and jacob and holly are doing well and uh appreciate my family and uh, just some some quick pictures of that I had to throw them in here i guess <laughs> but uh, what a blessing it is to have the family growing, and uh, it's going to make it a little tougher to go back, though. May just wrap her up and bring her with us, I don't know. <laughs> yeah, oh, that's me, that's me, and I guess we're done. <laughs> Who's that fella? <laughs> don't remember that picture. But, uh, so that's kind of the, a little bit of the life in, in, in Kaina, Alaska. It's about 30 miles above the Arctic Circle. And about 90 miles from the coast of Alaska in the, in the northwest territory there in the country of, of Alaska in, in the Nana region. They're Inupak Eskimos and uh, they uh, are, uh, uh, in, they're like anywhere else in the world. They just need the Lord. Amen. They need to hear the gospel. Just like here, got the same 
Same youth. I mean, you got youth in the village. You've got old people. You got young people. You got middle age, and uh, they all need Jesus if they don't already know Him. And and uh, we praise God for calling us there, and uh, being able to minister there in the village. Like I said, this is our second year in the village of Kiana, working on three now. When we get back, and we'll be traveling back on the 14th of June, just next week, actually the the 14th of June, and uh, be headed back. And uh, we are blessed and excited about the the opportunity to get to hopefully bring our vehicle to the village. As you saw, you know, the, the, the wagon's full and the sled's full, and uh, we can always be transporting people and, and Sunday school kids, and, and uh, many times, the, you know, they don't want to get out because it's cold, or, and uh, it'd just be a tremendous blessing to have a vehicle there to use in the ministry for many different reasons and opportunities. And, and uh, Lord, Lord bless, we were able to put a snow plow on a suburban there in Fairbanks, we we drove our suburban up from here, so it's still in Fairbanks. And the Lord give us a snowplow, and we're able to put it on the suburban, and then we're going to uh, be able to barge it to the village, Lord willing, this summer. And uh, we'll be traveling back uh, next week. We'll be headed to Fairbanks and get everything ready and get the suburban packed up, and we'll be have just enough time to get the the have to drive the suburban down to Anchorage and put it on the barge, and then just have to wait. Uh, I think a couple of months, maybe up in July. Towards the end of July, they'll bring it on to the Kiana for us. And, uh, of course, it's not cheap, and it's, uh, it's a pretty big process in getting all this done, but uh, we couldn't do it, as I said, without churches and, and people like you helping us and praying and, and uh, just helping us provide the needs. And uh, it's just an amazing life to live for the Lord, and I can't believe how God has blessed and, and done so much for us. And I appreciate my family being able to stick with me. Of course, Jacob would be there if he hadn't got married and moved off. And, but I, I think he's better off than the truth be known. <laughs> but we love his wife, Holly, and, and I appreciate her. And, uh, but I appreciate Micaiah and, and Micah, and now Kaya, part of the team there. And uh, we're anxious to get back and minister there in the village. We have uh, busy Sundays as we, as we prepare every Sunday. And uh, we... We uh, uh, have like four services every Sunday. If you want to pray with us and pray towards those services, we have a 11 o'clock, Alaska time, of course, 11 o'clock service in the morning, and then 2.30 Sunday school for junior Sunday school time. And then we have uh, teen time for teenagers that come in about 4.30. And then we pick up with another evening service about 6.30. And uh, so it's a busy Sunday, every Sunday in Kiana. We are busy. It's not a day of rest. <laughs> it's a day of worship. And, and uh, we, we certainly uh, just uh, take advantage of every opportunity to get the gospel to those young people. And uh, they, they need it. And uh, it's, it's a blessing to see them grow and uh, be able to grow in the grace and the knowledge of the Lord. And one of the tools that God's given us, another part of the ministry, didn't have any pictures, but we've been about a year now in a program that's called Reformers Unanimous. And I want, I want to share that with you as part of the message. If you want to be turning in your Bibles to Galatians chapter 4, and uh, you're probably expecting me to, to turn to Ephesians chapter 6. I mean, how many of you have got your armor on? Amen? Seems like every time I come here, the Lord leads me to preach about the armor of God. And, uh, but I hope you're keeping your armor on as we preach to the Awana kids, and, and many uh, got to do that a couple of times. And uh, boy, that's some of my favorite scripture. Just the importance of reading your Bible. And, but I've, I found out... You know, it's, it's not enough just to read your Bible. 
The Bible never promises to prosper or, or never promises to bless the Bible reader. You, know, you, won't, you won't find that in your Bible. He, blesses, he, he promises to bless the ones that meditate on His Word. So, of course, reading is a part of it. But if you're just reading it to be reading it, you're not getting it. You need to slow down and let God speak to you through His Word. And uh, His Word is such a, a vital part. I mean, we wouldn't be in Hyanna without it. My goodness, praise God for this King James Bible. And, and uh, we're standing upon the Word of God. And the Word of God is going forth and changing lives. And uh, that's, it's been an amazing uh, part of the ministry just to watch God work. And I'll, I'll share more as I get into the message here. But the, uh, uh, the program, I call it a program, we're actually an official chapter. Uh, one of, I think it's 1,060, forget our number now, over 1,000 chapters in America. This uh, Reformers Unanimous, and they've got a website, RU Recovery. You go on that and look it up. And it's, it's a ministry that, that uh, uh, I want to say boasts, I guess they could boast the, the uh, success rate of, of over 80%, and it's even growing, of, of recovery without relapse. That means that someone that's addicted to alcohol or drugs, marijuana, whatever it is, if, if, if they'll go through the curriculum and do the program, there's over 80% success of never going back. That's, that's unheard of in secular programs. You, I mean, it's like 2 3 and 4% of total recovery. And, of course, it's a program that it's Christ-centered, it's all about Jesus, and it's about gaining that personal walk with Him. And it, 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 we've been studying and, and learning along with it as we grow with them and, and are learning. Because we all have stubborn habits, maybe addictions that we'd like to quit, things that are not honoring to God and things that are not pleasing to God. I don't know of anybody that, that's got it all figured out and all down pat. Amen. I mean, we could all use some help. And boy, this, this has really helped me. And this is really the, the key verse... Uh, for the whole uh, program, and, and it's really, it's helped add to my faith and add to my uh, studies and add to, to what I learned here. I mean, I can't help but to go back to, to Pastor Roy's preaching many years ago, and even, you know, before I surrendered to preach, even, you know, uh, as I was growing in the Lord, and the Lord blessed, and, and I, I'll never forget Pastor Roy, you may still preach this, but you, or you may say it many times. You always would say, let go and let God. And uh, I hope you may have heard him say that, or maybe he hasn't said it in a while. But, but I want to bring it back up again, to let go and let God. And I, I, I thought I got it then when he preached it. You know, I thought I understood it, and I did to a certain extent. But it's amazing how God can just add to your faith, add to your steps as you, as you walk with the Lord and and, and learn to talk with him and communicate with him. It's a growing process, and, and uh, I'm just amazed that he, he puts up with me. And I'm amazed that he allows me to carry on and, and to get closer to him and grow close with him. And, of course, it starts with, with reading your Bible and then meditating on it, studying it, and uh, just letting God speak to us through his word. But probably a familiar passage of Scripture in Galatians 2 and verse 20 in verse 21, let me, let me read that if I can. Uh, if you want, you want to stand to your feet, you've probably been sitting a little while. Let's stand in honor of reading God's Word in Galatians chapter 2, verses 20 and 21. I'll read this and then we'll pray and we'll get into the message here. The Bible says, I am crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, nevertheless I live. 
Yet not I, but Christ liveth in me. And the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by the faith of the Son of God, who loved me and gave himself for me. I do not frustrate, look at verse 21, I do not frustrate the grace of God. For if righteousness come by the law, then Christ is dead in vain. And I want to look at the thought of, of how not to frustrate the grace of God. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, I ask you, Lord, to help us, Lord, as we've heard your precious word. I pray that you'd help us to think upon it, meditate upon it. Let it sink deep down into our hearts, Lord, to make a difference in our lives, Lord, that we might walk close to you, that we might finally learn, Lord, how to just let go and let you have our lives and let you live within us, Lord. And I plead the blood of Jesus Christ upon any soul that doesn't know you in the free pardon of sin. Father, I thank you for each one here, for this dear church, Lord, that has been such a part of our ministry, Lord. I pray that you'd bless and minister to their hearts, Lord, as we are here. Just encourage them, Lord, yet they're such an encouragement to us. Lord, we plead the blood of Jesus Christ in every situation and every need. In Jesus' name I pray, amen and amen. You may be seated. And, uh, of course... Uh, this, this great passage of Scripture, I'm, I'm, I'm sure you've heard it preached in many ways, may have heard it even exactly like I'm going to approach it here, but, but uh, as I said, it's, it's a key uh, verse to the whole ministry of, of recovery. When, you, when, you're, uh, uh, when you've lost your freedom from, from in bondage, you're in bondage to sin and darkness and things come up around you and about you, and there's, there's, there's so many things in the world that can distract you and, and keep taking you the wrong direction. But there's, of course, only one way that you can find peace and freedom and have an abundant life in this world. And that's through Jesus Christ and Him alone. And, uh, but this verse will, will help us to, to understand how not to frustrate the grace of God. Do you know what frustrate means here in, in verse 21? It, it means to, to violate. Or, or to neutralize. That's kind of fancy words, but I think we can understand that. When you, when you violate the grace of God, you're, you're making it null and void. You're neutralizing it. It's not all the benefit that God intended it to be in your life. You, you frustrate that. And how, how do we do that? Well, we know uh, from studying the book of Galatians, the letter to the churches in Galatia, they were mixing the law with grace. They were trying to add works to their, to their lifestyle, to trying to please God and, and find God's will and do things not only God's way, but their way. And that simply does not work. And Paul was rebuking them in this letter and, and, and guiding them and directing them. Therefore, we can, can gain from, from the words, of course, of this, this great uh, letter that, that God has given to us to keep from frustrating uh, the grace of God. The first thing I believe we need to look at in verse 20 we're just going to look at this word by word. Uh, Paul said, I am crucified with Christ. That's, that's the first step. And you know, the, the, the Christian walk in the life of a believer, is, it, it's all about just, just, just putting one foot in front of the other. Amen. We've got to take steps. And we, we may take one step forward and two back sometimes. But you know, we need to, to, to try to go forward and try to move ahead. Try to even reach the next level. Well, I remember Pastor Roy preaching some series of messages and getting the whole church as a church up on the next level. And we would do that over in the old church. I'm, I'm, I'm an old-timer, I guess you could say. I, I remember the old church and, and the, the great times we had over there and revivals and the great men of God that, that ministered to my soul. 
But Pastor Roy would, would, would mention, you know, getting it to that next level. Well, we don't, we don't need to, you know, one thing I was preaching in Kiana through the book of Genesis, and, and one of the greatest things about the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ is it, the gospel of the cross means that you, you don't have to stay where you're at. Amen. You simply don't have to stay where you're at. It's just a matter of, of letting God take control and take over. But this is, this is how it's got to be done. You can't do it your way. You've you got to do it God's way. And God said, through the Apostle Paul, he said, I am crucified with Christ. What does that mean? Well, we just simply have to remember that we are dead. <laughs> I mean, as graveyard dead. Amen. <laughs> I mean, that's, that's how dead we are in Christ. Dead men can't help themselves. Dead, a dead person is dead. And a dead, dead people are helpless. We cannot help ourselves. And this is where you have to start as a believer. Of course, this happened to me when I, when I accepted the Lord as my personal Savior on March the 14th down in Myrtle, Mississippi. Pastor Roy's taking us down there to, to Myrtle and, and the, the camp meetings down there. And, and it was the year 2000 on March the 14th that Estes Perkle preached on hell. And I realized that I was going there. I was always in church. I was... I was born in church or took to church and heard the gospel. It wasn't for a lack of teachers. It wasn't for a lack of love. It was just my stubborn pride that I never called on Jesus to save me. It wasn't nobody's fault but my own. But you see, all those years, I was in my 30s in the year 2000. That's just been about 17 years ago. And I was, I was listening to, to, to or I thought I was listening to Satan. I thought I was listening to Satan say, say he's... He was speaking in my heart. I was giving Satan this credit. I was Satan was telling me you're 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 lost, and you you know you you never been saved, and you you need you, you what you have won't get you to heaven. I thought that was the devil talking to me the whole time for all those years because I knew the gospel, I knew the Bible, I knew all about it. But you see, I was giving the devil credit for what God was trying to do in my life, and it wasn't until March the fourteenth. And here 2000, I realized that that was God. And God Almighty speaking to my soul. And he said, if you don't come to me and get saved, he says, you'll be forever cast out. And he said, I'll say to you, depart from me, you workers of iniquity, for I never knew you. Because I was done preaching and, and deaconing and all those things, being religious. I had it all down pat and figured it out, trying to cover those doubts and fears that I had because I was thinking the devil was wanting me to doubt my salvation. But the whole time, it was the Holy Ghost wanting me to realize that I had no salvation. And then it was then that my life changed. And I, my life was turned around and I have never doubted and never feared ever since that day. I know I'm going to heaven, not because of my religious works and my good, good deeds and good works, but because of what Jesus did for me. I saw that that day. And, he, and I came to Him... And he said he would in no wise cast me out. And I've got that Bible reason for knowing I'm going to heaven. I hope you've got a Bible reason. If you were to die today, do you know if you're going to heaven? I know beyond any shadow of a doubt that Jesus saved me that day. And that's when I died. Amen. I was crucified with Christ that very moment. Now, now I don't want to confuse you, but, but we've got to understand this. There, there's, we've got to talk about death here. It's not, uh, but, but notice... In the life, every soul here, every soul here, God made you. 
in three parts, just like He's in three parts, God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Ghost. You, you have a body, you have a soul, and you have a spirit. When God made Adam and Eve in the garden, He made them perfect and, and innocent and, and, and no sin, and, and they could communicate with God, and they could hear from God, and they could speak with God. They walked with God in the garden. Their, their body was alive, and their soul was alive, and their spirit was alive. But you remember when Adam sinned, he died. Because God told him, says, the day, if you eat of that fruit, says, that day you shall surely die. And Adam died. He didn't die physically, but he died just like that spiritually. He could no longer communicate with God. They went and hid. They got him aprons and they're shamed and went and hid because they was afraid and they, they couldn't communicate with God because their spirit died. And me and you inherited that very sinful nature. Every one of us here, are, are, well, let me say it this way. Every one of us here at one time or another have been dead spiritually. If you're still lost, you're still dead spiritually. You may think you know God, you may think you hear from God, but the truth of the matter is you, you don't know God because you're dead spiritually. You've never been quickened because Ephesians 2 and verse 8, or verse 1, and you have he quickened who were dead in trespasses and sin. You've got to go back and realize that every human being ever born is dead in trespasses and sin. That moment they reach the age of accountability, they, they become, their spirit can, cannot hear from God. In other words, there's no influence from, uh, from, from inside. There's no influence because there's, what's in you that God made is, is spiritually dead. And it takes a convicting power of the Holy Ghost to convict a sinner that he's lost, like he did me on that day down in Myrtle, Mississippi, that he's lost and he needs to be saved. And it was at that very moment that he quickened my dead spirit and I heard from God as if it were the first time. I mean, I'd heard all about God. I'd heard, heard all about Him, but it was that day that I heard from Him. And it was real. And, and, and He came into my soul and, and He quickened my dead spirit. And then my spirit began to influence my soul and my body. You see, that's how we're made. Your body is supposed to be influenced by the Spirit of God. And your soul is the, the, the mind, will, and emotions. That's all supposed to, to, to be a part of God's plan, to be influenced by His Spirit. And His Spirit will speak to your spirit, and, and that will influence you and help you to live a godly life. And, but the problem is, the, the moment we... We, we are crucified with Christ. The moment we agree with the Bible, agree with the Word, and realize that Jesus died for us, then it's that, at that point we're quickened and made alive. But in the very next, I don't know how, how it happens or how it works, but in the ne very next sentence or the very next word, we're dead. Amen. <laughs> we, we're dead with Him, not spiritually now. I'm not talking about the Spirit, but, but I guess you could say physically in, in, the, in the body. We, we, we spiritually, physically, I don't know how to explain it, but, but you got to realize that, that God quickened our spirit so that we could hear from Him, and we're a child of God, alive and well with Him. But here's the, here's the difference. You see, God knew that we couldn't handle it. God knew that we fall short. No human being on planet Earth has ever got the hang of this thing and made it through without sin, except Jesus Christ. And you know what? God said, I know you humans can't handle it. You can't do it. I love you. And I love you so much, I'm going to, I'm going to do it for you. 
And that's when he sent Jesus to die on that cross. And Jesus was the substitute for me, you see. And now, you see, I didn't have to die. But he died for me. He took my place. He, but, but I've got to realize that because of what he did, I am crucified with Christ. That's the attitude of a believer. We've got to stop and realize that, that because of what he did for me, now I'm, I am rendered helpless, okay? In, in the text, I am crucified with Christ. That means you're dead. If you're a believer and you've trusted in the finished work of Jesus Christ, what he did on the cross, then you believe he died for you and, and his death took your place. But now, when we see this, we must realize we are crucified with Christ. And you can't just read that by itself because it, you can't stop there. We're crucified with Christ, which means we're helpless. If you've been born again, then let me tell you, you need to be helpless. You, you, you need to be dead. If you've been born again, now don't let me confuse you. We're going, I'll get over here to the next point here in a second. But you've got to start here. You've got to realize I am crucified with Christ. Jesus died. So that makes me and you as believers, we're dead. We've been crucified as if... We should have been nailed to that cross. We should have died. We should have bled to death. So we got to have that attitude. I am crucified with Christ. But then the next point says what? Nevertheless, I live. Nevertheless, I live. So that if, if you're dead, you're helpless. And we need to keep that attitude. We need to keep that, that, that uh, uh, mindset, if you will. We need to keep that in our hearts and in our minds that we are dead. I'm crucified with Christ. I'm dead. I can't do nothing. I can't help myself. I can't quit this. I can't start this. I can't go here. I can't go there. You see, I'm dead. I'm crucified with Christ. But nevertheless, I live. But you see, he goes on. So now that we're dead and we can... But now that we're dead, it means that now he can live in you. You see... That's, that's the key to this whole verse is, is admitting that I can't and he can. That's why it makes me think, you know, just let go and let God. It, it's got to be him and him alone because we frustrate the grace of God. I, I, I'll preach to myself. I've already, uh, I've been preaching to myself ever since I read this chapter and, and looking at these verses, but I still frustrate the grace of God because I try to resurrect my dead old self and get in God's way and try to do my, my thing and and it frustrates the grace of God. But if I could just go back and say, I am crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live. So admitting that we're dead and helpless, listen to this, admitting that we're dead and helpless means that He, the Lord Jesus Christ, can be limitless. Amen? Think about that. I took this out of our curriculum here. But if you just stay helpless, it means that He can be limitless. Amen? That, that'll get a hold, you'll get a hold of that in a minute. Because if, if you admit and continue with the attitude of, of you can't and he can, then you'll get somewhere with God. And that will help you to not frustrate the grace of God. You don't want to neutralize or violate any part of the grace of God. We must stay dead. We must be dead because dead men can't help themselves. We're helpless, but... I'm alive, Paul said. Nevertheless, I live, yet not I. But this is what he said, point number three here. But Christ liveth in me. 
It's, it, it's Christ that liveth in me. And because of that, we have the, the quickened spirit. He, he's the one that made us alive and He didn't stop there. He came in and lives with us now. And He is living in our place, you see. That's why it's important to stay out of His way. <laughs> You've got to stay dead. If you re- resurrect yourself and get in His way, it just won't go as well as it could. I mean, you can get by, you can live life, you can, you can be successful to a certain degree, but as long as you've got your two cents worth in there, it won't be as good as God's best. You've got to let go and let God. You've got to say, I'm crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live. But it's not me that's living. The life that I now live, but Christ liveth in me. And I'm getting, trying to get ahead of myself here, but let, let, me, let me finish this right here. This is, the, I believe, one of the keys to living that abundant Christian life. To walk as a believer, and is, 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 it takes uh, remaining dead. I, don't, I mean, that's not, uh, I don't know how a good way to say that, but you need to stay dead to let God, the Lord Jesus Christ, live in you so that he can help you. He's, he wants to be the inner man, that new man, that new creature that is in every believer. He, he wants to lead you and guide you. He, he really wants to do more than that. He wants to own you. He wants to take over. But he won't do that unless you let him. Because we want to stay in control. We want to keep our hands on the wheel. How much better could God drive this thing than, than me? Amen. My, my. Stop and think about that. How much better? How much more does he know than you? How, much, how many more places can he take you than you could go yourself? We need to let go and let God. We need to realize I am crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live. Yet not I, but Christ liveth in me. This abundant life can only be accomplished by staying dead and letting the all-powerful, all-powerful God of the universe, the God of heaven, the God of everything. I mean, let him take control and take over. And you'll experience that full and free life. You see, he said, he said this, Nevertheless, I live, not I, but Christ liveth in me, and the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by the faith of the Son of God. You see, it goes on. It's, 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 this whole verse is so important. It's so important, important to grasp what he's saying here and to understand we've got we to remember that we're dead, but we've got to remember that he now lives in, in us, and we've got to stay dead to allow him total control. And when that happens, you'll have that abundant life. And then if, 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 if you're... Un, let's look at... Uh, turn over in Galatians. We'll just go some examples here. Right? We haven't been too long. I think we got. I don't know how long we got, but but uh, uh, chapter six and verse seven. You know these verses in Galatians chapter six and verse seven. You, you know this. Be not deceived. God is not mocked. For whatsoever a man soweth, that shall he also reap. For he that soweth to his flesh shall of the flesh reap corruption. But he that soweth to the spirit shall of the spirit reap life everlasting. You see, I, I believe these, these verses are, are, are pretext by, by chapter 2 and verse 20. And, and, and in the, in what we're talking about here is, is remaining dead even when it comes to sowing seed. 
Because if you go to sowing seeds in your flesh, of your flesh, you go to sowing seeds that you think need to be sowed, that's called self-righteousness. And you might think it's right, and it might be right. It might be a good thing to do. And you may try to sow seeds. You may try to do this. You may not be. We know not to go, you know, I don't know, go get drunk and, and do the drugs and, and watch junk and see stuff with our eyes and do all that. We know not to sow those kind of seeds. But what about these self-righteous seeds? You're missing God's best when, because you're still in it. You're still in on it. Because you haven't, go back to verse, one, verse 20, I am crucified. You're a dead man. What business you got trying to do right? He's already done all the right for you. Just let go and let him tell you what's best to do. You might come up with some seeds to sow or some things to do in your life. That's what life is, isn't it? Sowing seeds. And here, here's another thing about sowing seeds. The old devil, he'll sow some seeds too. And it's up to you whether or not you, you fertilize them and, and, and hoe them up and, and allow those seeds to grow up into iniquity and grow up into sin in your life and grow up into destruction in your life. Because we know old Satan, he's come to, to steal and, and, and kill and destroy. And we know that that's what he's after. He'll sow the seeds if you let him. But we know it's far better to sow, uh, he that soweth to the Spirit shall of the Spirit reap life everlasting. So instead of reaping ruin and corruption by doing it your way, why don't we let go and let God have it? And, and the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by the faith of the Son of God. How powerful is the faith of the Son of God. He proved that He's more powerful than death. He overcame death. He, he's crucified and so many times, so many times, we, 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 we stop. I don't want to make, I don't want to, my favorite verse in the whole Bible probably is, is 1 Corinthians 1.18, for the preaching of the cross is to them that perish foolishness, but unto us which are saved it is the power of God. I believe that says a lot. And it's one of my favorite verses. And, but, but I, and I don't want to sell short the cross. But friends, salvation doesn't stop at the cross. Listen to me now. This, I'm not belittling the cross. I'm not making little of the cross because it takes the cross. It was the preaching of the cross. The preacher preached that when I got saved and I knew that I had not been at the foot of the cross and asked, begged God to forgive me of my sins and, and to save me. That was, uh, it took the preaching of the cross. That's the power. Because it was on the cross where Christ died. And that's where He paid the penalty for sin. And that's what we call justification. Every one of you, if you've trusted in the finished work of Jesus Christ on the cross at Calvary, you've been justified. In other words, every sin you've ever done, past, present, and future, it's all under the blood. You can't, you can't sin your way out of heaven. Amen. I mean, I'm as, I'm so saved. How does somebody say? I'm so saved. It's pitiful. Amen. And I'm, I'm so saved that I'll never lose my salvation because it's eternal. It's secure. And I'm forevermore saved and I'm never going to hell. And I can shake that in the devil's face because of what he said. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that he, that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believes in him should not perish but have a temporary life. No, he doesn't say that. He says uh, eternal life, everlasting life. It's, it's life that will never end. My salvation is forever. And that's how secure 
the, the blood of Jesus Christ is. That's how powerful the cross is. That gets you into heaven, amen? But I don't know if you realize that, but we ain't in heaven, amen? We hadn't got there yet. We're still on planet Earth. We got a ways to go. Some of us are closer than others, and some of us have got a whole lifetime ahead of who knows who's got how long. But I know we're not in heaven, and I know the cross, Jesus died to pay... He, he died to pay for my sin. Personally, you can make that personal. He died for your sins. In other words, it should have been you on that cross. It should have been you, but He took your place. Nobody had to nail you to the cross. He did it for each and every one of us. He did it for everybody, for whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord. The death, His death on the cross. You see, that cross is important. That cross is what it takes to, to, to believe and agree with the Bible that Christ did it to pay for the penalty of sin. For the wages of sin is death. The payment we owed for our sins, and every one of us are sinners, is death. We all deserve to die and go to hell. We all deserve that. But Jesus died for us in our place, you see. He did that for us. So many times we frustrate the grace of God when you stop right there. Though I'm, I'm, not saying, I'm saying that's all you got to have to get to heaven. I'll, I can say that. I, I know that. I know you got to believe what Jesus did on the cross to get to heaven. But remember, we're not in heaven yet. The thief on the cross, now, that's all he needed. He, he, he's, this day he was with Jesus in paradise. That day... He was saved and justified. All of his sins were forgiven. He was, he was made right with God by the blood of Jesus Christ that very day when Jesus died for him. And therefore, he died for everybody. And everybody that's ever trusted and believed by faith, then you've been justified from all of your sins. Let, let that sink in. I mean, we, we take for granted many times that we are forgiven. Hallelujah. We are forgiven. And going to heaven, I don't have to answer for any of my sins. Think about that. I, some, and that's not sitting very well with somebody. I can tell, amen. But you're not going to have to answer for your sins if you've trusted in the finished work of Jesus Christ. He done it all for all. And because of what He did, I'm going to heaven. If you think you're going to have to answer to yesterday's sin, when you stand, if you die today and you think you've got to stand at the, at the, at the, at the gates of heaven and, and answer for your sins then, friend, you're deceived, and that's not what the Bible teaches. You need to understand that the judgment seat of Christ is not to judge for sins. It's to judge for the works you did as a Christian. It's to judge your... Uh, I mean, the, the works that we did. It's not to, 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 to see whether or not you earned your way into heaven, you see. None of us earned our way into heaven. You're either trusting in Jesus or you're not. No sins will be accounted for when you get to heaven if you trusted Him in this lifetime. Every sin is gone. Every sin is forgiven. Hallelujah! That is a powerful statement. But we, we know the Bible teaches us that. And the Bible says that we have life in Him when we trust in His finished work. That, that, well, I've got to hurry now. The, the, the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by the faith of the Son of God. You see... I, I got to back up and share this. The Lord put this on my heart. One of the best examples, going back to the cross and realizing how important that cross is. Maybe somebody here that needs to hear this. The, the, the most ex, uh, easiest sample of salvation, uh, the Lord blessed in the village here, I use this 
And, and uh, you, know, you know the verse, Romans 3.23, for all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. Some people like to frustrate the grace of God and it keeps them from getting saved, amen? They, they don't want to give in to their pride, give in to their arrogancy like me, I was that way. They don't want to simply trust in what he did. And it's as simple as, as, as the, the, the verse, all have sinned and come short. That word sin and come short, short means to, to miss the mark. It means to fall short, as if, and the best example, I used to shoot archery and bows and hunting all the time, and I fell short a lot, amen, in shooting the bullseye and trying to hit the bullseye. But it's as if, if somebody's trying to get into heaven, and, and right here's the line, and you can step up to the line, and you got to pull back 20-yard shot, all you got to do is hit the bullseye, and you're in. Your sins are forgiven. And you know what? The Bible says that not a one of us can make that shot. Not a one of us. You may be a professional. You may be the archer. You know, uh, I don't know any uh, famous archers or anything, but it doesn't matter how good you are, the bullseye can only be made by Jesus Christ. No matter how many times you try, you may say, well, I've, I've tithed for 20 years. I've, I've prayed at the altar every day. I, I've, I've prayed. I've, I've done this. I've done that. But friends, if, if, you've, if you've never realized that you've come up short, then you've never been saved. Because when we try to get to heaven on our own works, remember, we can't do it. Because we're dead. We're dead in trespasses and sin. And we, we, we get up there and try to make the shot. And, and the Bible says all have come short. All have sinned. Not a one of you can make that shot. But here's what we try to do. We'll frustrate the grace of God. We'll think, well, well God, I've tried this for 20 years. Maybe I've tried it for a year. I've been under conviction. Maybe you know you're under conviction. You know you need to do something. You're trying to make that shot. You're trying, and you, you might even finally give in. You say, Lord, all right, help me. Help me, Lord. And you'll say, Lord, help me. And you'll say, Lord, get the bow and get my hand and guide me and keep me steady. No, that, that's, that, that's not what the Bible says to do. You see, you may think it's good. Sure, the Lord can help you. But if, but if you let him guide you and you see you still got a hold of that bow and you still got a chance of messing it up and even with him helping you, you'll still fall short. And he'll get you through life. He'll get you through your job. He'll get you retired. He'll get you through things that you never thought were possible. But when you die, you may split hell wide open if you've never hit the bullseye because you've got to trust in the finished work of Jesus Christ. You can't just allow him to help you through life. I am crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live. What does that mean? That means on March the 14th, I remember it well, I realized that I'd been trying to hit that bullseye, preaching and doing all these things and listening. And oh, I was in tune. I thought I was. I thought I was hearing, but I never had hit that bullseye. And I always had a doubt and a fear. But on that day, I got in the altar there down in Myrtle, Mississippi, and I finally realized that God, here, I'm going to try this shot one more time. I've got to get it. It was to the point where I believe it was life or death. And it wasn't, Lord, help me. It was, I was to the point, I said, Lord, here. And I handed him that bow. <laughs> And I just got back out of the way. And he said, here it goes. Bullseye. And he shot the shot for me. I had nothing to do with it. That's what salvation is. It's that plain and simple. You can't hang on to the bow. You can't do this and do that. I am crucified with Christ. That's how important this thing is for salvation. To trust in the finished work of Jesus Christ. Let him have the shot because he, he'll hit it every time. And he did it when he died on the cross at Calvary. He paid for the price that I owed. He paid the price that I could not pay. He paid with his own life. 
He, he, he was my substitute on that cross, you see. Now, finally, I've got, I've got to try to finish. So many times we'll frustrate the grace of God for salvation and people are dying and going to hell because they won't let go and let God save them. They try to hang on and try to do this. Don't let, don't let, don't let the Satan pull the wool over your eyes and over your heart. Let's let go and trust in the finished work of Jesus Christ and He'll save you. And that gets you into heaven fully justified, forgiven of your sins, if you just let Him make that shot for you. But it doesn't stop there. We're still here on planet Earth. We're not in heaven yet. I think everybody here is still breathing. Amen? We're, we're still here, so what now? We'll look at our text. Verse 20 says, the, in the middle of the verse, the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by the faith of the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. You see, you can't stop there in the middle of that verse. If you, don't, if you don't want to frustrate the grace of God for the rest of your life after salvation, why do we have doubts about him taking your place now? Listen to this. I'm just going to read this out of this text. I can't get any better than what he said. It. If God substituted our death on the, on the cross, God's substitutionary death on the cross is what grants us justification and belief in God's substitutionary placement of Christ in us is what provides us with sanctification. Why do we frustrate the grace of God when it comes to living an abundant Christian life? We are limiting God because we're resurrecting ourselves and getting in His way. You've you got to let Him keep it. You, you, you can't pick that bow back up. You can't try to do this and you can't try to do that. You've got to let go and let God have it entirely and completely or you'll miss the best God has for you. You believe... Your faith in the cross. You believe that. I, I believe we believe that as a whole, as a group, as a church. We know Jesus died on that cross and I received that truth and I believe. But you see, that, that you can only believe that so much and so far. That'll get you to heaven and amen, that's a great thing. But we've got to live in this world. You've got to build your level of confidence in the Lord Jesus Christ and simply believe that He is in you. It's that simple. Is He in you? According to the Bible, he is. He, the verse says, the flesh, I live by the faith of the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. He is inside of me. And just as he took my place on the cross, he's going to take my place living on planet earth. You have to literally let him live the life for you. And I, I've still... I, don't, I haven't arrived, I haven't got all this figured out, but I'm a-learning. Amen. And one, another one of my favorite verses is, is Proverbs 3, 5 and 6. You know, trust in the Lord with all thine heart and lean not into thine own understanding. It's that part right there. When I go to leaning into my own understanding, I go to resurrecting that old dead man and trying to figure it out. How can we go here? How can we go to Alaska? How can I leave my family? How can I leave my church? How can I do this? Try to reason it out. But I was so glad I was preached to to let go and let God. 
Because I'd rather be up there in, in the sub-zero degrees in the will of perfect will of God than, than to be on anywhere else in this world. I mean, I'm so glad that, that, that I'm learning. And I'm, I say I'm still learning this because I still get in the way quite often. But I, want, I hope it's to help you just to realize that it's literally, you've got to believe that he literally is there to take your place in this world. You don't have to figure it out. You don't have to, to, to try to do this and try to do that. He will do it for you. It's the level of faith, the level of confidence and trust that you put in the Savior. Is there anything that He can't do? Is, there, is He limited in any way whatsoever? He is when you're alive. <laughs> he is when you don't stay dead because you limit Him. He's a gentleman. He won't force Himself on anyone at any time. He wants you to surrender. And that's, that's what he means about right here. When he, when he said that he loved me and gave himself for me. We need to submit to that gift. Don't frustrate the grace of God. Don't get in his way. Believe just as much as he took your place on the cross. He's going to take your place in this life. You don't have to go through it alone. You don't have to try this and try that. You can fully trust in Him and watch Him do the work. Watch Him hit bullseye after bullseye. I'm not talking about getting to heaven now. I'm talking about living an abundant Christian life in this world. How many of us need help with that? Amen. How many of us need help with walking a walk closer to the Lord and talking with Him and loving on Him and just scrooching up to Him and allowing Him to, 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 to warm us up on the, in, in the cold Arctic air and all those things. If you try to figure it out, you never go nowhere, you'll never do nothing, you'll never amount to anything in God's economy. You might be successful in this world, but friends, until you let go and let God and live this verse, like Paul t- preached it here, I am crucified with Christ, nevertheless I live. Yet, not I, but Christ liveth in me. And the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by the faith of the Son of God, who loved me and gave himself for me. Isn't that powerful? What a Savior we have. What a Savior. Don't don't doubt him. Don't doubt him now. What's that song? There's no need to doubt him now. He died on the cross for you. And, and, And you know where you go to get that confidence? You, go, you don't go to the cross, you go to that empty tomb. Amen? You go to the empty tomb, and that's the power of his faith. About forgot that part, but we got, we got it in there. I mean, the, the, cross, the cross is powerful. Don't think I'm not preaching the power of the cross. But friends, he didn't stay dead. The cross is empty. The tomb is empty. And he lives forevermore so that he can come and abide with you in this world. You got to let him do that. And you'll see, it, you'll see a, an abundant life. And power, the power of God will be real in your life when you stay out of the way. And, I, and, and I'm learning, and I hope you learn with me as we grow together in the Lord. Let's bow our heads. Father in heaven, I thank you so much for your precious word. Father, I thank you for this church, what it means to me and my family. Lord, I pray that you'd bless the Lord and encourage him and strengthen him. Lord, I pray for Pastor Roy, Lord, that you just uh, pour out your blessings upon him, Lord, till his cup runneth over. 
Lord, he's ministered to so many down through the years. Lord, we thank you so much for his labor of love. And I pray, oh God, that this congregation would follow him. And those he's raising up, Lord, to, to come up in the, in the reins, Lord, to come up in the, in, in, on the levels, Lord. I pray, oh God, that you would uh, let, let souls be harvested for his labor of love. Lord, I pray that you'd uh, go forth and use this church in a mighty way. Lord, we thank you for them helping us. Father, we plead the blood in every situation and every need, every home represented here. Father, thank you for them. Minister to the needs and show yourself mighty. Thank you, thank you, thank you. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. Amen. Pastor Roy. David, that is preaching. I remember that time at Camp Zion, David was talking to me about it, and I thought he was saved. I didn't try to talk him into the fact that I pretty much said, David, but he wasn't saved. Boy, the difference. You're standing out, your heads are bad. Miss Murray said, could you come sing that song? No need to doubt him now. I'll recall. The message was so real. If you're going through that, Brother David attributed Satan is trying to make me doubt my salvation. He did that for years. But when he realized it's folly, the Holy Ghost said, You're not saved, David. You're going to hell. David, that message will help people that's going through what you've gone through. A lot of people have. You may be here tonight doing that. Altars open. Thank God in front of a much larger crowd than this here tonight, David was unashamed and he got up and went to the altar and got saved. Be a good time for you to do that too. And then, what a wonderful message on living the abundant life. Yeah, your faith wavers. Mine does too. gets weak. If we can learn to live, and we can, by his faith, never wavers. Altar's open. We need to fill it tonight. We're not any of us, as he said, living the abundant life. We are limited, frustrating the grace of God, limiting. Why? Because we're not giving ourselves wholly to him. Mind the Lord now. Lord Jesus, thank you for Brother David sharing his experience probably kept him for a lot of years. But the Holy Ghost ministered to him that day and he yielded. So he did just yielded and admitted, I can't do it, but you can. And look what you've done with him and for him and his family ever since that. You've worked miracle after miracle. And Father, the saying holds true for every individual here. If we will not frustrate the grace of God or limit it. And no doubt there's people here right now that's going through that and my save and my loss. And they may be saved. I couldn't help David that day, but you could. But the real thing is David couldn't help himself. And when we get to that place, nobody talked to can help you. All we can say is, 
ask him. Just die. And let him come in your heart and live. Thank you for this message. <laughs>